State's highest earners are, not surprisingly, it's two revenue sport coaches. We got a big-time quarterback committed to the football program. The NFL draft is coming fast. Some updates from camp and Ohio State moving into the driver's seat in the Director's Cup standings. All that and more in an action-packed edition of the 11 Dubcast. Andy Vance joining you alongside the erudite Johnny Ray Gender Johnny. You know, this will come as no surprise, so I'm not exactly breaking news here, but uh, the uh, Ohio State University has uh, updated its salary database. The Columbus Dispatch did its annual analysis thereof, and no shock that the highest paid employees of the university and really probably in the state of Ohio in general are Ryan Day and Chris Holtman, followed by Gene Smith and gentleman Jim Knowles. Uh, any surprises to you that like eight of the top 10 highest paid people at the university, okay, maybe it's not literally eight of the top 10, but it's, I don't know, half of the top 15 anyway, are, are football staffers plus Chris Holtman and Gene Smith? No, no. I mean, that's, I mean, and the thing is, is that it's interesting when this comes up because it does and people go, oh my God, that's crazy. Comes up every and, year and people freak out for 30 seconds. And they do freak out for 30 seconds. And, and I think in some cases it's warranted, not at Ohio State, but in other places where you're like, okay, these are subsidized, you know, employees in an athletic department where their salaries are paid in large part through, you know, student fees and that kind of stuff. At schools like that, I think, you know, that's something maybe people can look at and go, well, that's kind of stupid. But Ohio State, when you've got an independent, athletic department that is self-sufficient doesn't take money and actually gives money back to the university for projects and programs. It, it doesn't, it, it feels like it's a, it's not quite the, you know, the shocking statistic that uh, sometimes people make it out to be because of, because of that independent nature. And because of that, you know, I don't care if Ryan Day is making $20 million, as long as they're not taking money from the university or from, you know, actual students who are out there, you know, just like trying to go to school and whatnot. I pay them as much as you want. That that doesn't bother me too much. Now, sometimes people will say, well, you know, it's not just about the fact that it's the the disparity. It's also the fact that they're not bumping up the salaries of administrators and teachers and things like that. And I think that's a fair argument. I think that's a, a fair point to make because, yeah, a lot of the, you know, if you want to have a marquee university, you want to pay marquee money to marquee uh, academics but I think that's a separate issue than Ryan Day's getting paid too much or, you know, Brian Hartline's getting paid too much or anything like that. I mean, I do think it's interesting in this case because everything you said is 100% accurate. Ohio State, you know, football is the straw that stirs the drink. The athletic department is self-sufficient. Yeah. Uh, even through COVID, you know, took out a bit of a loan or whatever to, to um, uh, kind of cover its deficit through one of the COVID years. But, but by and large, uh, money ain't a problem. <laughs> the no. Ohio State University Athletic Department. But it is interesting. This is the, the part that I always find fascinating that you had uh, four football staffers, the head basketball coach and the athletic director all making considerably more money than the president of the university. Now, right. And that, I, that, that I think is interesting. Yeah. That being said, that, that being said, the, the rest of the sentence is, uh, that there are at least 10 other employees on this list of the top 15 that the dispatch put out uh, who also made more money than <laughs> the president of the university, the chief investment officer, as an example, the former CFO of the Wexner Medical Center, as an example. Both those guys made more than the uh, former offensive coordinator of the football team, Kevin Wilson, but not as much as Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator. 
I actually uh, think that says more. This whole thing says more about Ohio State as a university than Ohio State, the athletic department. You know what I mean? 100% like, agree because I, I've been making the case for several years now that Ohio State used to be a big university with a hospital attached to it. Mm-hmm. And right now, and particularly if you have followed the saga of Christina Johnson's uh, final days as yeah. university president, it is abundantly clear that Ohio State is a large university and medical system with a university attached to it. Right. There, right. there is no question in my mind as a proud alumnus of the university, uh, what is actually running the show at Ohio State right now. And and clearly it is not the office of the president of the university. And and I think you could have some very definite takes and opinions on that uh, if you were so inclined. We won't necessarily expound upon them here, but the, the list of uh, who gets paid what uh, in the top 2025 really shows you where the university's priorities are. Maybe rightfully so. Uh, but it, but it to me is interesting how much power has been siphoned away from the university president over to the medical center. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really have the expertise to comment on that expert or that aspect of it, but it oh, is Johnny, we have lots of things that we don't have expertise on. That That's true. We do it. On. <laughs> Why stop point. now? <laughs> That's a good point. Um, but I will say that, you know, it almost feels like Ohio state it wants to emulate in some ways, at least as a university, maybe what other really successful universities have done. And a lot of that, if, you, if you're looking at some of their endowments and where they get investments in terms of research and, and federal dollars, even a lot of that goes through R and D and medical stuff, right? Like, and that's, and, and maybe that's, that's what Ohio state says. Like, if we want to stay viable, if we want to continue getting these big grants from the United States government, if we want to continue building our endowment, um, that's the that's the most sure way to do that. And look, Ohio State's medical facilities are incredible. Like their can the James is an unbelievable place. Um, they have some really really great facilities that they're building on. I'm not poo pooing that at all. I, I I love that they're doing that. And I think you know especially what they're doing out there on West Campus. Mm-hmm. That's going to bring in tons of investment. Um, obviously the expansion of uh, the wax. I, there's a lot going on. But I agree with you. The the push and pull between like the academic side and the medical side is probably way more dramatic than the conflict between sports and academics at Ohio State. Because those two, to me, those things exist in separate worlds. The the real interesting drama is between the medical and the the academic. I think at Ohio. Yeah, State. and you actually, I think, make the point right on the right on the money that Ohio State's doing what I think every major. Public yeah, they want to develop and do like a flagship they, they want that giant, you know, medical system to help prop up, you know, everything else that they do, which again, not I don't think is a terrible idea, but it's it's definitely a, a, an approach that will cause friction, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Where are your priorities? All right. Well, if you didn't see the list, there's a, a great recap Chase Brown had uh, earlier last week uh, at 11warriors.com. Just very interesting food for thought. My parting shot would be don't get worked up that the football player, football coach uh, is the highest paid no, God no. employee there. That is not the takeaway of the story because – uh, he's earning his money and then some with the amount of money that football brings into Ohio State. Speaking of bringing in big time, big time uh, return on investment, Ohio State is not actually one of the top, I think, like five spenders on recruiting in the Big Ten. There was a story about that out last week of what different schools spend on recruiting. And yet, mm-hmm. and yet. A few days ago, the program netted its latest Big Ten uh, big-time commitment out of top 10 quarterback in the class of 2024, Aaron Noland. 
Got to love a guy named Air, Air Noland as a quarterback, especially. He committed to the Buckeyes over a number of, of uh, options. The four-star from Georgia, uh, number eight quarterback, number 84 composite rank, but number 10 and climbing in, in a lot of different um, recruiting services. This guy's a big timer. And, and the thing that was kind of cool about getting this guy in my opinion, is that it it proved, and Garrick Hodge had a nice piece on this, it proved that Ryan Day uh, is able to go out and make it happen, even if plan A doesn't work out the way he thought it would, i.e. five-star Arizona quarterback Dylan Rayola uh, doing the okey-doke and decommitting back in December. Ryan Day goes out, figures it out, and brings in uh, a big-timer who... I think is is going to fit right into the system. You know, it's uh was kind of a uh, another feather in Ryan Day's cap that he's able to go out and make it happen, even if he loses a five star. Yeah. How did you feel about this commitment? Well, I thought two things. First of all, you know, I didn't know a ton about him. I, I knew that obviously he was in the cycle and and a little bit about you know what people have been saying. He's a southpaw, so that's pretty interesting. You you know, if he ends up starting, he'd be the first lefty since I think like Belisari, basically about twenty plus years ago. Yeah, long time. Um, which would be sick. I would love that. Great name, obviously. But I think what this really goes to show is, you know, it's not just that Aaron Nolan committed; it's also that right before that they got a five star, another five star wide receiver, right, Mylon Graham. It, two two five-star wide receivers oh yeah the number one and number five wide receivers in in the class of 2024 the, the right. rich get richer indeed brian hartline take a bow exactly and what, what i'm saying with that is that it all just feeds into itself you know what i mean like you've got you've got a situation where yeah you can lose a dylan rail because you know that you've got these five-star wide receivers coming in you're going to get some pretty elite quarterbacking talent who's going to say look if i want to be the next you know, Justin Fields, CJ Stroud, get a high draft pick. It's going to help me to be throwing to the best wide receivers in the country. And so this, this kind of feeds into itself. It helps self-perpetuate. And, you know, if you're a wide receiver, you want to be thrown to some, by some pretty elite uh, quarterbacking talent. And so you're going to come to Ohio state. So that, that all helps, you know, like I said, perpetuate itself and and, uh, create this really positive feedback loop for Ohio state when it comes to these recruits. So Great rebound out of, um, you know, Ryan Day and company, uh, bringing in a really talented dude. Really interesting guy. Super accurate. I love that. I, I love the, you know, one of the biggest things that's always astounded me, I think, really since Dwayne Haskins is just the unbelievable accuracy of Ohio State quarterbacks in the past, like, five to seven years. I mean, it's it's not it's not for nothing that these guys are passing and completing, you know, 70 plus percent of their passes that that's a big deal and so Aaron Nolan looks like a guy who can easily continue that tradition um really really accurate really intelligent with the ball maybe not the, as big of an arm as some of these other dudes but um you know what that's what they said about Joe Burrow and that ended up being totally fine for that guy so uh yeah great pickup said, I'm excited what they said it. about JT Barrett too and what they said about rewrote, JT Barrett. hey my guy rewrote the Big Ten record book so you right. know what it's done on him young king uh, nine recruits in the class of 2024, eight of them on the offensive side of the ball cause for alarm. Yay or nay. Um, yes. In a vacuum, if, if that's, you know, that doesn't kind of even out, then yeah, I think that's a fair, um, that's a fair thing to worry about. However, I will say, and I think most people who have been kind of following this class is that Ohio state is expected to get 
at least a couple of pretty big um defensive recruits here in the next few weeks and especially with like the spring game coming up i let me put it this way if by the end of april it hasn't evened out at least a little bit then yeah you could you could stay concerned and be a little bit concerned i think right now it's still early enough in the process where you know it's just maybe a wonky confluence of events that have led it to be a little lopsided right now i don't i don't think that it's going to be um that way till the end of uh through the end of uh, april definitely something to watch for sure for sure uh, you know, we were talking about wins in the recruiting portal, and we've got to tip the hat to the second highest paid man in Ohio State University, that being Christopher Holtman, the head basketball coach, because uh, he pulled a big one out of the transfer portal, getting Minnesota uh, big man Jamison Battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say big man, strong forward, uh, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. He's uh, he's a guy who has been. Uh, a presence for the Gophers. Uh, 247 ranked him as a four-star transfer prospect, the number 25 overall player in the portal. And he'll have one year of eligibility left. 6'7", 225 pounds. Uh, he's a bit of a journeyman in that he's been uh, a, a while, uh, a couple of different places, George Washington, uh, before going to uh, Minnesota, transferring into the Big Ten, where he led the Gophers with 17.5.6.3 rebounds per game. Uh, I I think this was a great pickup. One of the things that we have been maybe a little critical of Holtman about is that he hasn't done a great job of farming the portal. He's done a pretty mm. good job recruiting first timers, but not getting uh, you know some of the proven players. He, he's had he's had you know a couple here and there where where okay this guy was good, this guy was you know maybe filled a need, but but I think this is one that you could say, hey, you know, he could be proud of this one. This was a big time recruit. What do you what do you think? Am I am I blowing smoke there? Is that fair? Fair. Dance? I think it's a good pickup. I, I do think and, you know, Josh wrote about this and and uh, his piece about battle and, and his three point shooting. Uh, Ohio State has been lacking in three point shooting in a lot of ways in the past couple of seasons, especially this past season. Battle will give you that. He <laughs> the dude, the dude likes to shoot the ball. I think somebody in Slack uh phrased him as a bit of a a bit of a chucker. <laughs> and if they're going in, that's great. That's fine. If they're not, then that can be a pretty big liability. I, I don't think he's going to be a game changer. Um Ohio State, the 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 problems that they looked like they were on their way towards addressing at least a little bit towards the end of last season. That's that's something that they'll have to continue to improve on and and do better with because um, I don't know that his addition is going to fundamentally change what this team is going into next year. They, they, they give him a weapon, and that's great, and and they make him a little bit more dangerous on the wings, and that's that's something that you want. Um, but it's I don't know. It, it it doesn't convince me that the team's going to be more mentally tough. When you get into one possession games at the end of the, you know, at the end of regulation, are you going to be able to avoid turnovers? Like those are the things that I'm more concerned about than increased three point shooting. So, yeah, I want I, I want to see more of that. And I think battles a good player who will who will bring some good things to Ohio State. I'm excited for that. But does it change Ohio State from a team that couldn't get to the NIT to a team that makes sweet 16 next year? Probably not. Um, so that's that's. I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see indications that that those things that need to change have changed to allow that to happen rather than, you know, just pinning all my hopes on Jameson battle and saying, Hey man, you know, you're, you got to get this team to the mountaintop. Cause I don't think that's really fair on him, especially the kind of player that he is. He's not, 
you know, again, not a bad player. I'm not hating on him at all, but he's not, he's not the point guard. He's not out there scoring, you know, 25 points a night. And that's, that shouldn't be his role. So. I'm sorry. All I heard was Ohio state final four confirmed. That's right. That's right. Mark <laughs> it down on your calendars. 2024 yeah. final four bound. Let's go. I I'm, I'm, I would say very interested to see what this team looks like. We're a long ways from the season yet. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I am too. I, yeah. I'm, the makeup I'm eager to see because I, yeah, the makeup of this team, I, I think is going to be a lot of fun. We talked a lot last season about how young the team was. Um, you know, you're adding in a veteran presence here that gives them uh, a threat from the perimeter. And I think a lot of, uh, hopefully a lot of development will have happened uh, between now and, and the time the season starts, hopefully some of those improvements we saw late in the season, you know, continue. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm eager Let's talk a little bit about women's basketball, you know, a, a, a great women's basketball season and exciting news that Ohio state guard, Taylor, Mike sell selected by the Indiana fever with a number 13 overall pick in the 2023 WNBA draft Monday night. Uh, she's going to be jo- joining a fellow Buckeye, um, Kelsey Mitchell, uh, in Indiana, and she'll be the 17th Buckeye selected in the women's draft since 1997. But it's been a minute. The uh, uh, first Buckeye drafted since 2018. The year Mitchell was drafted. So, um, but good, good for her. I think that's a, I think that's pretty exciting to to see one of the women uh, making it into the ranks, especially since it had been, you know, here a five year drought. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I like to see that. And any but anytime any Ohio State athlete becomes a professional, I get excited. I think that's pretty fun. So that that's cool. And especially, you know, with some increased attention paid to women's basketball, hopefully that carries over a little bit to the WNBA too. Yeah. Uh, Mike Sell talked about uh how excited she was to get to work, be around a ton of incredibly talented players, to go ahead and try to be a good addition to the team. Um yeah, you know, so two seasons at Ohio State averaged nearly 18 points a game, one of the best three-point shooters in both of her seasons as a Buckeye, mm-hmm. averaging 44% uh, from beyond the arc. So very, very cool news there. Speaking of the draft, how excited are you for the impending NFL draft? Coming up now, we're just, uh, what, two weeks away, really, or two, two and a half weeks away from the NFL draft? Or yeah. are, are, are you getting jacked up, your mock draft uh, board ready to go? What no. what is your level of intensity <laughs> for the draft at this stage? I don't know. I you know what? Honestly, I'm really just at the point where I want to see CJ Stroud get taken number one because I think it's dumb that people I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of discourse, a lot of a lot of talk online, particularly from Southern uh institutions. So that you know, it's more southern aligned boards about how CJ Stroud ain't nothing. He's, you know, he's didn't perform in any of his big games and he's not a winner. And I'm like, I just, I'm at the point where, first of all, if Bryce Young between these two guys, right, they're both incredibly talented, right? These are guys who either one, I'm sure you would be totally fine picking whoever up top. I just want to see CJ Stroud get the number one pick, um, mostly to shut everybody else up. And, you know, I wouldn't. I don't think it'd be terrible for him to go to the Panthers. I think he could do very well down there. Uh, but it's mostly just to show everybody else that they're dumb and that that stupid Ohio State, like, oh, Ohio State quarterbacks can't perform in the NFL. I, I just I want to see people in that crap. 
um, because he's he's super talented and wherever he goes, he's going to be super successful. So that that really is the biggest storyline for me when it comes to the NFL draft. I know, obviously, you know, I don't want to you know shortchange Paris Johnson or Jackson Smith and Jigbo or Dewand or any of those other guys. But um, that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for, honestly. The 11 Warriors roundup of mock drafts included, I think, like 37 mock drafts and 29 of those had C.J. Stroud going number one to the Panthers. Yeah, I, uh, so you know, I feel like the, the smoke for, choice. yeah, I feel like the smoke for Bryce up top was there for like a couple of weeks. It always does this where it just goes back and forth and everything. Like, nah, nah, we'll just go with, you know, the obvious choice at one anyway. But anyway, yeah, sorry, I didn't yeah, interrupt. Uh, but it, no, totally the obvious choice for Four mock drafts put uh, him going number two to the Texans, three, number four to the Indianapolis Colts, or one going number four to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not even sure if that scenario is still even in play, though, with their – I didn't hash out all the details with – their OBJ news this week and what that dealt with Lamar. And, I mean, they've got a lot of stuff going over there. and may Baltimore fall into the sea or something like that. Uh, let's see. Uh, so then, then of course the next guy off the board likely to be, well, could either be offensive tackle Paris Johnson jr. Who is projected to go as high as number four, as low mm-hmm. as number 19. I like the one, um, the one brave mock drafter as him going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that'd be a great <laughs> place for Paris Johnson Jr. I don't think he falls out of the top 10. I would be really surprised. I, I would also, uh, I would also be very surprised about that. The other guy I think who goes inside the top 10 is a wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. Some good chatter about him on Monday that um, the actual coaches and GMs are not as high on this year's wide receiver class as yeah. The media seems to be, but yeah, the one they, guy that they unanimously love is JSN. Right. He's the, he's the one guy that they think is actually like NFL ready, which it's, I mean, sometimes I think in the NFL, they do this to themselves. They, they like to meme. And what I mean by that is they go, okay, well, if one thing was true and then the second thing was true, then it's going to be true forever. And so I do think, I mean, there. let me rephrase this. Let me, let me start over. And I want to emphasize this point. Jackson Smith and Jigba is NFL ready. He's excellent. He'll be great. However, there is like no tape on this guy for the past year plus, right? I mean, you you really are. You're going off of an incredibly uh, thin, small sample size in 2022, okay? And you're you're really like basing this on a lot of like conjecture, a lot in my opinion, based on what Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson have done, which... I understand why they would do that. They're like, okay, well, Ohio state's now a wide receiver pipeline. Brian Hartline's this genius and that's great. And so therefore Jackson Smith and Jigbo must be awesome. I don't think that logic necessarily follows. And I think the NFL does that a lot where they go, okay, well, if one guy was good, then the next guy must be good because he's from the same place or from the same like coaching pedigree or whatever. That isn't to say anything about Jackson Smith and Jigba, the player he's great and he will be great. But I also think there's a lot of confirmation bias in the NFL where they like to do that because it's convenient and kind of easy. And I also think it's kind of endemic to the profession a little bit. Um, So all of that is to say, I think there's still some decent wide receiver talent. I also think that a lot of these teams are like, well, if we're going to focus on one guy, we're going to pick that guy because of the other intangibles. Because I think I do think that the wide receiver talent 
on is better than what some people have kind of made it out to be um, in this draft, honestly. Seems pretty well unanimous that Ohio State will have three first round picks uh, in the three gentlemen already mentioned. The possible fourth first round pick would be offensive tackle, big Thanos himself, Dewan Jones. Uh, God could be going, you know, maybe to the Cincinnati Bengals for that'd be sick. Or uh, mock drafts had him going there again. One brave draftee had him going with the number 32 overall pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. I I would be thrilled about that. I did like hearing that uh, uh, Mike Tomlin took uh, Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones to Jeff Ruby's when he was in town for pro day. (laughs) And, and that was reported by multiple sources. Uh Actually, I think maybe Dewan quoted that, uh, confirmed that on his Twitter feed, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Number one, great choice of place to eat coach. uh, Mad snaps there. Yeah. If uh, Tom could figure out how to get both those guys on the team, because their young quarterback, uh, I think is going to be fine in Pittsburgh. If, 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 they can get him some protection. We could yeah. be talking about the Cincinnati Bengals and saying the same thing that their young quarterback mm-hmm. is going to be just fine if they can get him some protection. So the poor bugger doesn't get himself uh, turned into a greasy spot on, on the turf there in Cincinnati. Yeah, that's ideal. Speaking of injuries two Ohio state players are going to be sidelined the rest of the preseason camp, steel chambers and Xavier Johnson sidelined with lower body injuries. Um, I'm sorry. They're expected to be back for preseason camp. They're they're just going to be out here uh, for kind of the rest of um, spring ball, not you know for any longer than that. So you know, how much should I sweat about injuries in spring ball, Johnny? And is this um, the better question? Is this why we don't have, as some have suggested, a proper spring season or a proper scrimmage at the end of this instead of our our current spring game as we know it some people were talking about that right like you know what uh what what should be done like exhibition style instead of you know like having a team kind of play each other or whatever like bring in mountain union or bring you know i thought yeah like, i think that's kind of interesting i think that's kind of a cool way to approach it but in terms of injuries and and what you should be uh worried about unless it's like somebody you know snapping their femur in half or something i lower body i mean honestly to me that just kind of sounds like i mean it could be a lot of things obviously um but unless it's been put out there that somebody is like seriously debilitated um i think it's also more of a precaution than anything at this point because they understand like there is kind of a limited utility especially with guys who are established contributors um to have them out there day in and day out and possibly get additional you know injuries or things like that um I think they play it pretty safe in the spring and rightfully so, because there's no point. <laughs> like you're, you're trying to do things. You're trying to, you know, keep your team fresh and feel some things out, but it's not really for your established guys to have to prove themselves over and over. So for me in the spring, it's not anything to get super worked up about unless, you know, it's a big, big red flag that, you know, you know a lot about immediately because it's, it's, uh, you know, immediately apparent that something really bad happened injuries notwithstanding i must say i was a big fan of the the proposal and i wish i could remember which national writer wrote about it i feel like it was at the athletic because they have a lot of, of good writing over there um but made the case that you know instead of these goofy spring games that we do now these inter-squad scrimmages 
why not take, especially with the changes that are are coming with the expansion of the playoff field and and maybe the idea that uh, teams won't be penalized for you know regular season losses the way they had in the say in the the, the first era of the playoff. Uh, that that maybe it's time we move those old buy uh, those old payday games. Uh, you know, you would say, okay, we're going to pay Youngstown State a million dollars to come and get horse whipped in Ohio Stadium. Mm-hmm. Maybe the far better thing would be to pay them that million dollars to come in on April fifteenth, say for example, and play a scrimmage uh, in spring ball. And the author made the point, and I think this is reasonable, that literally every other level of the sport we do this. You have scrimmage games yeah. in high school and middle school and so on. The NFL has its preseason games. They don't count against a team's win-loss record or, you know, anything. There are no consequences to a team playing these kind of games aside from the potential free injuries we just discussed. Why does the NCAA prohibit uh such a sensible solution and and do you think we'll see a legitimate spring scrimmage uh in the coming future will the playoff maybe usher in some positive development like that i don't i think logistically i think it's probably just a little too difficult i would like to see that but i just the ncaa doesn't doesn't do it because they don't i don't know whatever crazy nebulous reasons they came up with but um in general i i don't see something like that happening mostly because um i don't know i it, the the logistics involved there's just too much going on and and i do think there's so i if there's a possibility for that let me let me think of it this way if there's a possibility for that it would have to be between two i think relatively local programs that both had a lot of cultural clout and cachet and then they could kind of build off of that as opposed to hey we're the big state school we're inviting these peons onto our practice field um kind of attitude it would have to be more organic than that because as much as i think it would be cool to have like you know an all-star weekend kind of you know scrimmage against mount union or something like that with Ohio state first of all uh, probably wouldn't be super fair <laughs> even if they're just playing two-hand touch um, I don't think people really fully appreciate the difference in athletes uh, that that would happen there. And then also, like a lot of these places kind of have their own pride, too. They don't they don't want to give that up. Right. They don't want to have to give up the idea that, like, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, not just nominally, but now obviously play second fiddle to Ohio State by rolling onto their, um, you know, rolling onto their field in spring and, and not get any kind of you know reciprocal help out of there. So I don't know if, if you're Akron, are you going to be like, yeah, let's go down to Columbus first. I don't, I don't think they would necessarily want to do that. I think that would kind of be insulting to them for a little bit. Um, if there were like a really local team that everybody was all pumped about here and, and CBUS, I think that would be one thing, but uh, there really, there really isn't aside from Ohio state. And I think that just goes to show how ubiquitous, um, you know, the Buckeyes are throughout the state that it, it, it wouldn't be seen as a, a fun little get together. It would be like, you know, high state out there just kind of bossing people around a little bit yeah i mean i i feel like there there are some opportunities you know like we used to see pretty much every year ohio state playing a mac school uh in september and the early part of the season what i always call the preseason you know before big 10 before big 10 play happened and, and to me it just made a lot of sense to see that kind of game uh in april instead of in september give me more power five opponents in september and mm-hmm. and let's but let's also have a meaningful 
spring game. Cause what do I learn about this team watching the spring game? Spring game's fun. Don't get me wrong. I like taking the family there and seeing the band and the pageantry and being in the stadium on a beautiful day. I'm, I'm all about that, but oh, it'd be a lot more fun to be able to watch some real ball and, and see what you can learn. I don't know. It's a proposal that intrigues me. Probably won't ever happen for the reasons you cite, but it intrigues me nonetheless. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show in a moment with some non-revenue sports news. But but I think before we do that, we should take a pit stop into our favorite segment of the program, Ask Us Anything, which is brought to you like the Dubcast in its entirety by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com. Hats, T-shirts, stickers, all kinds of paraphernalia for the discerning sports fan. You'll find it at drygoods.11warriors.com. Buy early, buy often. Johnny, reach deep into the mailbag, my friend. What good have we there? Well, we want to remind you that you can send us questions to ask us anything uh, at the email address dubcast at 11warriors.com. And let's go ahead and start. Actually, this is from uh, Julio, who has a banger of an Ask Us Anything question. Uh, it just dawned on him that a whole slew of high-profile high recruits uh, – um, from Urban's last few seasons were completely invisible, provided seemingly no leadership. How much of a negative impact was this on the defense in particular and their abil- inability to stop a semi-competent high school offense? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good question. Uh, and and my friend is uh, an astute observer of many things, but in particular, Ohio State football, also one of the biggest sneakerheads I know as a fantastic nice. collection. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great American. Uh, He's got any of those like MF Doom uh, Nikes. Hit me up, man. I'm, I might I might drop something on that. Well, there you see. go. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of things that you can say about the woes of the defense. Obviously, there, there was the coaching issue, which I think has largely been rectified. And in, 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 granted, I know that people have feelings about the Jim Knowles defense, um, given some of the statistical markers last year, but I think the eye test will tell you that was a much better defense last year than it was the year before, even, you know, even with some of the statistical issues and the getting gashed in some of the big plays, I have a lot more faith in Jim Knowles as defensive coordinator than I did his predecessor, who I thought was fantastic as a position coach. Now, looking at the question about recruiting specifically, or, or, or uh, sorry, Urban's last couple of years of recruit specifically. I mean, I think leadership absolutely matters. And look at how many times we talked about with that defense, who's the guy, you know, who is, who's, who's cracking heads in here? Who is the one who's like pulling them together? We talked about that with this offense as well, right? With CJ Stroud, that the thing we wanted to change about CJ Stroud was we'd like for him to be a little more like JT Barrett in the leadership department. Uh, all the physical tools in the world you wanted, you just liked to, and you saw that I think in the Georgia game, you might have liked to have seen it more in in some of the other games earlier in the season. I felt that way a little bit about the defense. The other thing I think is a, a reasonable criticism is that Ohio State's defensive recruiting, and we talked about this earlier in the program, hasn't been on quite the same elite level. It's been very good, right? Most places would give their left arm to recruit as well as Ohio State does, but the offensive recruiting has been otherworldly and the defensive recruiting has been, it's been okay. It's been okay. So yeah. I think all of that goes into why Ohio state was to, to paraphrase uh senior's question, uh, why the defense couldn't stop a semi-competent high school offense. Yeah. And I, you know, leadership does play into it. And I, I would agree that, you know, Part of it, too, is like there were certain positions, I think, where you need to have more experience, more leadership, particularly like a linebacker, for example, um, where you saw. I mean, 
towards the end of tenure, you, you still saw some really good linebackers and things like that, but um, it just felt inconsistent. And a lot of that too was culture and developing a, you know, a, a unit in a room where there there's an expectation of leadership and, and that happens as well. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you though. It, it did also a lot of times just go back to recruiting and some hits and misses and, and it's hard to deal with that sometimes. Yeah. They had some, they had some big time misses there for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. This one's from our good friend, Alvin, who says, who wants to know, uh, do you dream at night? Do you vividly remember them? <laughs> I feel like I used to more yeah. than I do. I mean, I think I dream now the vivid memory part. Uh, not so much. I feel like when I was a kid, when I was even in college or, or maybe in my twenties, you know, I, yeah, I feel like I remember them vividly. I still remember mm -hmm. some of the dreams I had as a kid, like, you know, crazy, like where you're in some sort of adventure type of, Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Like the one time I feel like I was driving a tank against Darth Vader, not Darth Vader, uh, Count Dracula. Like for some reason I was in a mashup <laughs> where I was like, I was GI Joe type of character. Yeah. In, in yeah. Like some, in like That's some GI Joe vehicle. And, but we were like a storming, count dracula's castle like i can remember scenes of those kind of dreams mm -hmm. but I, I don't remember anything about what i dreamt about last night so i don't know if that's an age thing that you know the older you get if i i don't know that's a really interesting question what about you is i think weird or no no i th i think everybody's got kind of those weird dreams i do think we have fewer of them the older we get um there are definitely some vivid dreams i had when i was younger that i still remember i remember one where i uh we were at the zoo and I like my friend somehow got into the koala enclosure and the koala was attacking him. And I had to like, oh. I, I busted into the koala enclosure and just beat the absolute hell out of a koala. <laughs> like grabbed it by the scruff of its neck and just wailed on it. And I remember that one very vividly. That was one of my favorite dreams. I was like, take that koala. Yeah, a little poop eater. Oh my God. I just beat the crap out of it. Um, nothing against koalas. If you're listening, it's just, you know, it was a dream. I can't control that. Um, Let's see. I had I had some other really like weird and disturbing ones when I was a kid. You know, they're like nightmares. You know, you'll have those from time to time. I had one recently. Well, I always had the this was years after I even graduated uh, from college. Um, I remember when I was living in Japan, I even had these dreams where you wake up and you're not like you think that you're late for a class or that you never attended a class or you have yeah. to turn in a paper. I, I would I would wake up from those dreams in Japan you know, a year or more after I had graduated from college and like run to my computer and be like, Oh my God, I got us. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I'm 8,000 miles away <laughs> from when I last had to do. This. So those always would stick with me. <clears throat> I had a dream recently, like in the past couple of days where, um, I was writing, I think it was like writing for a show. Like I was a writer on a show like a variety, like a, like a Saturday Night Live kind of thing. And I was in the writer's room and I had pitched a couple ideas and people were just telling me that I was awful and terrible <laughs> and like really angrily, not, not, not mean or catty or like sarcastic, but like they were mad at me for even having the temerity to suggest that I could write. <laughs> like they, they were screaming at me. And in the, in the dream, at first I was like kind of scared and sad. And then at a certain point in the dream, I was like, wait a minute, this seems a little over the top. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I may be like, I think I remember in the dream, I was even like, I may be bad, 
this is a little, you're, this is a little upsetting. Like, are you okay? Like I started to become concerned for the people angry at me because I didn't oh understand why they were so upset. Um, I'm like you must never write again. Like, oh, okay. Well, I probably will. You need to handle it. <laughs> like that. So the dream took a weird turn. I was like, started to be more concerned for them than I was upset about them yelling at me. So that doesn't happen very often. I don't happen. I don't have very vivid dreams. Uh, too often but when i do they're they're usually pretty odd and, and memorable certified bangers yeah uh this one's from kevin sweeney we saw the movie air yesterday are you planning on seeing it i don't think i've even heard of this that's the one it's the, oh, this uh, is the michael jordan movie. this is the michael yeah, jordan yeah movie. it's michael jordan it's the one with uh ben affleck yeah and, yeah yeah, and yeah, yeah you're right um i have to be honest no i probably will not see this you know what i okay i initially was like super like no nah, i don't want to see this this looks kind of like a you know kind of a circle jerky movie you know where it's just kind of like the producers like this release one particular story and they're gonna spend two hours talking about it and yeah they're not going to successfully convince the audience to actually care uh but it's gotten really good reviews um and i'm a little i was a little surprised by that not a movie i'll check out in the theaters i don't think i'm not i'm not going to go out of my way to to i mean maybe it's a streaming i don't know but if it, you know, if it comes across a streaming service and I don't have to plunk down 10 bucks for it, then yeah, I think I'd check it out. It's not something I plan on seeing right now, but, um, you know, I, I was actually, I was, I've been watching, I rewatched Moneyball recently and, you know, that pre COVID, those are kind of the movies that, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll spend five bucks on that. I, I enjoy, I enjoyed Moneyball. I thought that was good. Oh, I did too. I think it's a great movie. Um, but air strikes me as one of those movies that you know 10 12 years ago i definitely would have gone to go see at a batinee so maybe i'll have to uh, give it a shot here at some point because like i said it's getting really good reviews and i, I am a little surprised by that yeah, given that I, it's just like phil knight basically talking about how awesome he is so yeah and i i feel like i've uh, that that's the thing i i did see the preview as you said i'd forgotten what the what the title of the movie was um so you know it's I I was not the biggest fan in the world of of Michael Jordan, so like the Michael Jordan aspect of it doesn't sure, interest yeah. me all that much. I do find like Nike as a company very interesting, and what you know that that so that part of it like maybe um, you know Phil Knight, I dude's clearly a genius, uh, so maybe i but no i'm not gonna go spend money on this i guess if it shows up on yeah 92 percent on the old rotten tomatoes 98 percent right, audience score so in it's this day and age that's incredible yeah yeah so i don't know might be worth checking out i like i said i probably not one i'll go ahead and seek out uh but it's uh you know if it's on amazon i don't have to pay money for it then yeah i'll watch it um all right last one here this is from matt in minneapolis so this is for you specifically andy Oh, wow. So you state repeatedly that the defense doesn't have to be the 85 Bears. <laughs> he asks, why not? I mean, we have the resources and the talent. Why uh, can't we yeah. as fans expect the defense to be elite? Okay. Now that's actually, I think, a very good and and fair question. My, my repeated um, kind of assertions on that front stem from the fact that we know what we know about Ryan day and his offense. And so like, I I've kind of adopted as my, my default setting, if you will, uh, my, my base set of assumptions that Ohio state's offense will always be good enough to get it there, to get to, you know, it's, it's goals are in order, right. Beat that team up North win the big 10, win the national championship. And it feels like those goals might be inverted um, at times that it's national championship is the, 
is the main priority and everything else kind of focused. I don't think that'll be the case this season. I think, you know, beating Michigan will be first, second, and third priority. Um, and so I've always felt like, and you saw this, I feel like in the Georgia game, that Ohio State's offense was good enough to hang with Georgia. Ohio State, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you assume Georgia was the best defense in the country, Ohio State's offense was absolutely good enough to get the job done. Its defense yeah. was not good enough. So, so that's sort of where my assertion that, look, they don't have to be the 85 Bears. And in that game, they did not have to be the 85 Bears, right? They only no. had to be... They could have been the bad news bears. A little honestly. better. They just yeah. had to be a little better than they were. You know, like that, that's it. They just need to be a little better. Uh, and and so, but but to your the, I think the question is absolutely valid with Ohio State's resources. I mean, Jim Knowles is practically the fourth highest paid guy at Ohio State. You know, he, he's one of the the top 10 anyway. Uh, yes, I do think it is reasonable to say that the defense needs to be every bit as good as, as the offense is. I, I think that is absolutely a reasonable expectation. The challenge is I said that same thing about Ohio state basketball in the latter years of the Thad Mata era, that what Mata was accomplishing was no longer acceptable. And people would say, well, who are you going to get that's any better? And my answer was always, it doesn't matter. Ohio state has more money than God. They should be able to go out and get whoever, you know, if you wanted, okay, maybe not Mike Krzyzewski, but if you wanted somebody on that, throw the money at it, back up the Brinks truck, Mm -hmm. show me what your priorities are. Ohio state said its priorities were to get a top flight defense because they threw 2 million bones at Jim Knowles. Now he's got to actually make good on that. Right. Um, So I, I do think, and, and, and this recruiting thing, I'll be honest, you know, seeing nine recruits, only one of which being a defensive recruit that does give me pause. So, you know, we'll see what this looks like. As you said, it is early enough in the cycle that big things can happen yet. Spring game weekend, obviously you would expect there to be some, some big time opportunities there. Uh, But I, I, I agree with the premise of the question. Yeah. I I think here's what I would say about that. When I think 85 bears, right. I think of a time in football when you could win, you know, 15, 13 and three games in a row. You know what I mean? Like you score one touchdown, you won the game. I, that, that kind of football doesn't exist anymore. And I don't think, I mean, yes, you can have a dominant defense. I'm not saying you can't have a dominant defense in in the 2020s, but what that looks like is way different. And Jim Knowles, I think what he's trying to get people to understand in a certain way is that that you have to accept that your team might give up 15 to 20 points a game, and that still can be a dominant defense. So I understand, I understand what people want. I mean, they wanted a, a, you know, an elite defense. They want a defense that, that wins you games and doesn't lose you championships. And that's fine. To me, I'm just kind of focusing on the aesthetics of it, which is it, it's not going to be a shut five teams out in a season, give up six points a game. Like that's, that's not super realistic. Now it can happen, but I, I do think that in a, on a year in year out basis, um, it's very, very rare in college football. Now um, it can happen. I mean, Iowa for all the grief that they got justifiably last season had a great defense, you know, but will it be as good next year? Probably not. Um, same thing with Illinois, amazing defense last year, probably not as good next year. So to be able to have that kind of consistency year in, year out, you're not going to be the 85 Bears, but you still might be really, really good and good enough to win, like I said, national championship. And Ohio State was like a stop or two away from doing that. 
Um, and, and to your point, that's, that's, that's all you need because everything else is so damn good. Um, so hopefully we get that. Hopefully that's what we see in 2023. Great questions at all. You guys for asking us anything, keep sending those in really appreciate it. Uh, dubcast at 11 warriors.com. It's awesome. Yeah. Valiant effort boys and girls. Well done. Wrap this thing up with some non-rev news, which I think is pretty fun because it's more good non-rev news. Ohio state's men's volleyball team winning a share of the Midwestern Intercollegiate Volleyball Association Championship, the team's 28th conference title. Gotta love that. Shout nice. out to shout out to the men there. Uh, and and because of performances like that, uh, along with um, I I think really exceptional work from the hockey program in general. We talked earlier in the year about the women's hockey team. Um, certainly football wrestling finishing fourth place at the NCAA tournament was a big one. Mm-hmm. Ohio state has now taken a nearly 100 point lead in the director's cup standings. Now, Johnny, do you, do you care about the director's cup and where Ohio state finishes uh, in the overall standings compared to other uh, athletic departments around. I care, I care about it if they beat teams I don't like. <laughs> yeah, I if mean, I think that's a fair take. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, if they're doing good and they they make Ohio State look good and they're you know ahead of other teams that I can kind of rub in the face of, then yeah, I love it. I think it's freaking great. So Ohio right State, now, I'm I'm all about it. Ohio State finished fourth in last year's standings behind uh, three teams I know that you love: Texas, Stanford, and Michigan. Yeah, great. Um. <laughs> Uh, now, I did find this interesting because one of the things that I have always um, observed about the Director's Cup, and, and we should say, if you don't follow this, the Director's Cup is, in essence, there's, a I think, a, a points formula for how many points um, you get so many points for how your team finishes the national standings, I guess. So like, for example, women's hockey finishing second in the country got 90 points in this, mm-hmm. in this director cup standing uh, football team got 80 points for finishing fourth um, in the final standings, wrestling got 80 points for fourth and so on. So there's a bit of a formula um, spring season still has to go, of course. Uh, so 13 different teams have given Ohio state points. What I've always said is that uh, a program like Stanford has a bit of an advantage because of all of the success that they have in the Olympic sports. Well, when you think about it, though, Ohio State should do very, very well because Ohio State fields more teams than a lot of other. So you don't see an Alabama, as an example, or many of the SEC teams doing well in the Directors' Cup right. because they don't field all of the teams that an Ohio State or a Stanford does. But this I found interesting. Ohio State has never won the Directors' Cup but finished second to Stanford three times mm. in in the last, uh, call it 13 years. Maybe this will be the year that they get it done. Well, let's let's fingers crossed. I think it'd be super awesome if they can pull it off because uh again, another one of those things that Ohio State can brag about and be super obnoxious about. And I, I'm all about those things. Those are great. Yeah, I like to I, I like to think they can get it done. Uh and and the last thing I want to talk about that I, I thought was uh very fun in this year's edition of the weekender. If you follow Ohio State's football team on the Twitter, the Clarion call went out um for walk-ons, walk-ons to be a part of the program. Johnny, had Twitter been a thing when you and I were young undergrads, uh any chance you would have jumped at the opportunity to to walk onto the program? Absolutely not. No, under no circumstances. No, I I <laughs> I've always been a pretty mediocre to bad athlete. 
But in college, I think when I, so, you know, in Middletown, it's like, all right, well, I know I'm pretty bad. I'm not, not very good. But at Ohio state, when I was surrounded by like actual athletic people and, you know, would go to the gym and be like, okay. So in Middletown, it was pretty bad here in Columbus with many more people. It's actually much worse than I thought. So no, I, it, I, I had no, I had no uh, delusions whatsoever that um, that was something that would be anything in the realm of possibility for me. How about yourself? Would you have done? Well, that? no, I wanted to take this a step further. You know, if 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 you had been blessed with a modicum of of D one type uh, talent, okay. is there a particular position or position group you would have been most eager to join as a hypothetical walk on? Oh God, um, if I you know if I actually had the talent for it, what I would man for Ohio State football specifically. Oh geez. Um, kicker <laughs> i don't want to get hit i'm not you know like i'm not, i'll tell you what andy i'm not a brave man I, i'm not the guy who wants to run out there <laughs> something long snapper i could do that I, I you know some kind of specialist where punter i think you know what punter probably would have been it and i would have been can like you, you know can, what can you kick a ball can can you I, can you can you drop kick a ball i can't actually kick a ball pretty hard i will say if, if there were any sport or any position rather on the football team that i would have come like again we're talking about still light years away from anything approaching Ohio state. But if there were any singular position on the team where I could have gotten the closest. So like, instead of eight parsecs away, it's like, you know, 7.99 parsecs away. Uh, it would have been the punter because I could, I could absolutely kick the hell out of a, a football or any kind of ball uh, as uh, as a, you know, as an athlete. But um, yeah, I would say that's probably would be the extent of my, <laughs> my toe dipping. I, I don't think I would would put myself in a position to have to hit or be hit on a consistent basis. In fact, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't I would want the position where I would actually get a you know some sort of bonus or reward for getting hit. Yeah, it's uh, you know one of the things I've probably told this story before. I played um, I played offensive line in in my middle school and JV days. Mm -hmm. I was never on the varsity team, um, but you know, I played like middle school freshman ball and so on, and very much enjoyed offensive line. But I always wanted to be a defensive lineman. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought those guys looked like they were having the time of their. Gotta lives. be mean though, man. And so there was the thing. So Coach Hart was our defensive line coach. I loved Coach Hart. We used to go bass fishing with Coach Hart. He was a great guy. Uh, we had access to a pretty good fishing spot at the Stone Quarry, and so he learned that and. Uh, I quickly became one of his favorite players, even if that didn't get me one iota of playing time, which, <laughs> you know, was kind of my hope. Like, oh, I'm going to take Coach Bass fishing. I'm going to get some playing time out of this. No, that never happened. But he had, you know, what I always thought of as the redneck yacht, one of those one of those amazing bass boats that was all glittery and you know, oh, sure, yeah. really great behind your big jacked up truck. And so he would take my brother and I to the stone quarry and we would we would go fishing and it was a ball loved loved going fishing with coach hart so i really wanted to be a defensive lineman and hart would just yell at me and he's like you're too damn nice vance too damn nice to be a defensive lineman get back over there with the offensive lineman yeah. i was a, i was center and i joked it was because the other guys uh on the line were too dumb to count to two <laughs> which which wasn't which wasn't fair i actually really liked most of the guys in the line a couple of our offensive tackles really were that dumb but the guards were were good um we did a lot of pulling guards we really didn't expect our tackles to do much other than hit the guy in front of them um so <laughs> but yeah the uh 
the dream was always to be a defensive lineman. Now, I asked you about the punting thing because one thing after all those years of playing ball that I never got the knack of was drop kicking a football. I, yeah. that skill eluded me. I, it, it, I, and so I marvel when I watch a punter that could just annihilate it's just, it. It's just, it, you know, it's like a, it's like a golf swing or something like that. Like, I mean, same thing with soccer. I mean, I, you know, again, not a I'm good bad soccer, at golf but, also now that you mentioned well, it. <laughs> I wouldn't know because I don't. I've never actually done it. Um, You've I never did, played I mean, golf, really. I've never. No. Uh, I, wow. you know, I used to go. I used to hit uh, golf balls at the range with my yeah, dad okay. when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, but never actually played golf. Like actually, I mean, the one time my family played golf was on a public course in Butler County. I forget what it's called out in Western Butler County, but um, uh, we just rode around in golf carts and pretended like we, we were actually playing golf. When we oh, no, see, now that's we. So every every May, little brother's birthday is at the end of May. And so every year around Memorial Day weekend, we host uh, what I lovingly refer to as the Redneck Classic. And we rent out Buckeye Hills Golf Club in Greenfield and the family and, and little brothers poker and drinking buddies. Uh, basically we do what turns into a best ball scramble. I don't think it's intent. It was intended to be that way to start with. (laughs) Yeah. That's basically what we did. It becomes a de facto scramble, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was it like we were basically like playing polo in the golf cart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm I saying? mean, it's, like that's this. This is one. This is an opportunity for guys to drive golf carts and drink beer. That's yeah. that's what the Redneck Classic is. Right. Um, and so you see a lot of guys in in cowboy boots or Red Wing work shoes and you know Wrangler blue jeans. That's probably the only way I'll ever play golf. <clears throat> I, yeah, I appreciate that. That's that 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 is my kind of golfing event. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, so the best much. the best was the year. Uh, so I I had had this set of golf clubs for I mean literally decades, and I got a new set of clubs. And so my dad said, "Hey, can I have your old clubs? You know, for little brother's golf outing." Yeah, dad, no problem. Sure. Well, so I gave him well, my old golf bag. Literally fell apart. Um, <laughs> it was it was old enough. You know, and he took it home and it it literally fell apart. So he comes to the classic that year. He had taken an old feed sack, like, you know, burlap bag and, and took, uh, the strap off the old golf bag and sewed it yeah, to the go. burlap sack to this old feed sack. What's and, wrong with that? Oh, oh, it was, it was hilarious. Beautiful. I mean, it was, it was it carries it was the, the golf thing. clubs. That's all it needs to do. It, that's that's exactly what it did. And it was, it was brilliant. So we do that every year. Uh, it's a lot of fun, highly entertaining, that uh, does sound fun, terrible golf. What, what's always fun is I have an uncle who's who's actually pretty good. I won't say he's a scratch golfer or anything like that, but he's done a lot of corporate outings over the years and entertaining clients and that sort of thing. So I usually try to get uh, paired up with him because I'm like, that's the ringer, you know, and, and I can usually like we'll usually use one of my shots on a given hole. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would not score well on my own, but, you know, I can usually reliably add something to the team each hole. And he's, but I say he's the ringer. It's pretty good. All right. Yeah. Golf, uh, uh, as one writer called it, a good walk spoiled. I actually quite, quite enjoy it. I think that's a good place to end this episode of the Dubcast. Great stuff this week. Good questions. We'll be back this time next week for another scintillating hour of chatter and takes on the local sports team. We'll be moving ever closer to the NFL draft. We'll have more spring ball news to talk about and, whatever else may crop up uh, related to the local athletic program. Until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the Dubcast.